This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for your spirit who teaches us your word, and thank you for your son, and uh, let us see the living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it's grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables, without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. 
The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, so now we're in this section here where the Lord Jesus has left the house. He's left the house. He's on the shore of the Lake Galilee. And a lot of people have come to him. Great multitudes have gathered around to hear him. And there was kind of an anxiety in the air as everyone waited for the Lord to teach them, to show them how what they had been taught in their lives by the Pharisees was wrong. And they all waited for him to do like he did before in the Sermon on the Mount, when, the, when he had that certain pattern of teaching where he said in, in for example, in Matthew 5.43, Matthew 5.43, he said, he said these words, you have heard that hath been said, and then he went on to say, but I say unto you. So they were looking for that. You were misled. You were wrongly taught. I'm gonna tell you the truth now. But instead, they began to hear stories, many stories, stories about sowers of seed, stories about different types of soil, stories about women putting leaven in meal, and stories about valuable pearls and and lost coins and lost sheep and fishing nets and, and fig trees and foolish and wise builders of houses and what's eaten and passes through the body and goes out as waste. And the people knew that these stories were not just stories he was telling them, that there were hidden messages in these stories and they were, but he didn't tell what the hidden messages were to the crowds, he just told the stories. So these are parable stories, these are similitude stories, these are stories of analogies. There are all these like unto stories, but for the multitudes went, the Lord Jesus, he just left them like that, just, they were just stories. So he left it to the hearers to discover the interpretation of the stories. And he says in verse 43, he says, he says, he caps off, finishes this set of stories. He said, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So the people are really frustrated because they wanted him to, okay, say it, tell what the hidden meanings are, but he didn't. And the disciples were frustrated and they wanted to know why this sudden change now in the teaching to, to the crowds and the parables. So they ask him in verse 10, they ask him in verse 10, the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he told them that the reason he spoke in parables was because it was a judgment. It was a judgment because it was, the parables were a judgment against a certain group of people listening to him that he describes in verse 15, verse 15, as people's heart has waxed gross, fat. Their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So what he's saying here is that he, with these parables, he has constructed a wall, a barrier, between the hard-hearted, the proud, the arrogant, who have closed their eyes to see, 
So those parables, these parables are like a wall and it keeps them from understanding with their heart. It keeps them from being converted. It keeps them from being healed of their soul's disease, which is sin. So, so what the parables are is they're, for one group of people, they're open, they're unlocked gate, they go right in, the humble go in, the crushed go in, the brokenhearted walk right through that gate and they understand the meanings of the parables. But for the other group of people, there's a judgment against them for the proud, the self-righteous, the self-sufficient, the arrogant, the parables are a closed, locked gate to salvation. So it all depends on the will of the people. If the people want to be saved from their sins, if they have this feeling like I have to know God, I must know God, or I'm gonna die, then the parables are open, they're unlocked gate, they lead right to salvation. But if the people did not see themselves as dirty, rotten sinners, and they were not thirsting to death for God, then the parables were the closed, locked gate that barred them from salvation. Just like yesterday when I was speaking with a Lyft driver and uh, we were talking, I said, I got a very personal question. Sorry, I just wanna ask you a very personal question. And my personal question was not, do you know the Lord? That wasn't my question. My personal question, because really when you look at what the Lord said, both in Matthew 7 and other places, he didn't say to the people, uh, depart from me, you never knew me. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. So I asked this man, I said, what does God think of you? I asked him, you know, and he, he said, well, I'm an agnostic. He said, I'm an agnostic. And so I said, okay. I said, well, if you're an agnostic, then the, really, then the real question is not really or not whether God exists. That's not the question. I said, the question is, do you wanna know if God really exists? Because the agnostic, that's not really the question. I mean, it's just like, it's just like right now, if I turn to this piano and I close my eyes and I say, uh, I'm an agnostic, I don't really know if there's a piano there or not. The question is not whether there's a piano there, the question is whether I'm willing to open. I couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> I don't know why she does that. She waits till this time every Sunday <laughs> and to tell me that she didn't hear what I said. You heard what I said, right? <laughs> why can't she hear what I said? I don't understand that. Anyway, the question is whether or not I'm willing to open my eyes and see whether there's a piano there or not. So here the Lord has just told this parable, and this question is to the people, are you willing to open your eyes? Are you willing to see that you're a dirty, rotten sinner? Are you willing to see how much you need God? If you are, then the parables will be open. And here the Lord has told his most important parable of the sower and the four types of grounds. It's a key parable. It's such an important parable that when his disciples came to him and asked him about this parable in Mark chapter 4.13, Mark 4.13, he responds to them and he said unto them, know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? And then he goes on, the sower soweth the word. That was a pretty strong rebuke. That was pretty strong. The disciples, in other words, he was saying, you should have understood this parable, the sower and the seed. It was such a strong statement how the parable, the sower and the seed was like kindergarten level for parables. And if they didn't get that parable, how in the world could they get any parable? That's what he was saying. And I have to tell you, I mean, I'll be honest, without his explanation of the sower seed, I didn't have any idea what he's talking about. I wouldn't have understood 
what he was talking about, I wouldn't have understood the rest of the parables. That's what he's saying here. And then there was another time when the Lord gave a very strong rebuke to the disciples about understanding another parable in Mark chapter 7, 14, Mark 7, 14. It says, when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him are they which should defile him. That's the parable. Nothing going into a man defiles a man, but what comes out of a man defiles the man. And then he says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. He's obviously talking about eating with, uh, without washed hands. That going in doesn't defile you. And when he talks about what comes out doesn't defile you, he's not talking about vomit. Right? So he says, if any man hears, hears to hear, let him hear. And then it says in 17, Mark 7, 17, he says, when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entering into the man, it cannot defile him? And then he went on to say, but what comes, comes out of the heart defiles him. So the Lord has told the people that what goes into a man as something eaten can't make the man dirty. It can't make the man dirty because it passes through the man, comes out as waste. But what comes out from within the heart of man, that makes him dirty. And when the disciples asked him what it meant, he turns to the disciples and he said, are you so without understanding also? Wow. I mean, without his explanation, I didn't understand that. What all this means for you, for me, is that we gotta get into a different mode of thinking here. We gotta get into a parable mode of thinking. It doesn't come easy for us. It's, not, it's something we have to kinda, we have to get ourselves trained into. We have to see in life, there's hidden truths in what's all around us. There's a hidden truth in a woman who is leavening meal. There's all these hidden truths, and we gotta see how the seen world around us is filled with like unto's that speak and instruct and guide us to know and understand the unseen. See, that's the whole thing about these parables. To understand a parable, we need God. We need God to help us, give us skill. We can't do this. We need God to help us be skillful to know. When you look at a parable, when you look at what he was talking about, the analogy of similitudes parables, there are things in these parables that are very important, and we need to focus on those because those will guide us into the unseen truth. And then there are things in the parable that are not important, and if we focus on them, they will misguide us. So we, this is a skill, and God alone can give us a skill, and this is what he's promised to do in Proverbs 123, Proverbs 123, where he promised, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. That's the key to the skill. It's him pouring out his spirit, the Holy Spirit to us, who will make known his words to us. So what he's saying here, and what we really get in the impression when we read all these parables is that we are living in a parable-filled world, and God wants to teach us through this world and this, what's seen about the unseen. As a matter of fact, and speaking about parables, 
the Bible is full of parables. As a matter of fact, there's a whole book in the Bible that's just parables. It's parables. Because the Hebrew word for parables is the same as the word Proverbs. So as a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon, could be called the parables of Solomon. Because parables, that's what he was giving us in that book. Parables are similitudes. Every time the Lord Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto, he meant the kingdom of heaven is similar to, not in every respect, not in every aspect of an analogy, but only in certain points. And in order to understand the kingdom of heaven, the challenge is to identify those areas, those points in the analogy that teach, that reveal the certain areas or the points about the kingdom of heaven. And if the Lord went to so much trouble as he did to construct for us these similitudes, these parables, then it's those are the points that are in the similitude that we need to drill down on, that is important for us to hone in on. And that's our goal. That's our goal with these parables, to drill down on the important points to get the meat out of the parable that he's teaching. So when we see how the Lord is, for example, in the last parable, when we see how the Lord has taken us to see a man sowing seed, that means we really need to vicariously get into it, get into following the seed as it's flung out. See, it's flung out. Follow some of that seed. Follow the seed as with a thud. The seed hits, lands on this hard ground, and then, oh no, here come the birds, and they eat the seed. And that means to follow some of that seed as a, and we feel it landing between rocks on the rocky ground. It got bruised up as it fell down in between the rocks, but it found some soil. It means we need to follow some of that seed as it, as it gets scratched up, landing among the thorns, and we feel it gasping for air as, as it's struggling between those thorns that are choking it. And then we need to follow some of that seed as it lands on good ground and the seed that says, ah, finally, this is what I'm talking about. I finally landed where I need to be. This is what my whole life has been for, to get into this good ground. That was the parable about the sower and his seed, which explained one simple thing. How come the gospel doesn't work for everybody? How come come the gospel works for some people and this good gospel why it works for some people, and this good gospel, why it doesn't work for others. That's what he was teaching in that parable. So we really get into the spirit of the parables, and now we, we kind of imagine the Lord with, with a troubled look on his face as he wants to explain why there is not found in God's good earth good, good, good. Why there's not only goodness found in God's good earth. So he only wants to explain this. He's got this troubled look on his face, and he wants to explain why is there evil? You know, people say, why are you good? Anyway, whatever they say. But anyway, so he wants to explain why in God's good world there is evil and wickedness. Why is that? Why do you find evil and wickedness in the earth? That's what he's trying to explain in the second one, second parable here. And so he's got this troubled look on his face. He reaches deep down into his bag of analogies, and we can imagine a smile on his face as he thinks, I got it. I got just the right analogy to explain this, why there is evil and wickedness in God's good earth, in good God, in the earth that belongs to the good Lord. And so the Lord takes us on another journey. He's taking us on another trip to see another man sowing seed in his field. 
And now we really want to understand this parable and we really want to get into it. We want to imagine this man. We want to get the right point. We want to follow the important point and don't follow the unimportant points. And so we imagine this man sowing seed as he's described it here. I mean, and he's painted a very graphic picture. And we want to paint in our minds a very graphic picture of this man, of this farmer, as he's introduced to us in verse 24. So we look carefully at this man sowing seed in his field. And what do we see? We see a man who deeply, passionately cares about his field. He's not a lazy man. He's a very, very, very diligent man. He starts off, this man starts off, and he looks at his empty field, and he can kind of see his chest swell with pride as he thinks to himself, this is my field. This is, I own this field, and that makes me responsible for what's going to happen on my field. The buck stops here, he says. If this field's fruitful, it's fruitful for me. It's my field. If this fruit less, it's fruitless for me. It's a waste for me because it's my field. I own this field, and what this field produces is my responsibility. That's the first important point. We're going to get seven of them out of this. That's the first important point, and it's seen in that one word, his. His, in verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good in his field, not a field. This is his field. This is his field. No one else is going to tell him that it's not his field. It's his field. He's not giving up his field to anyone else. It's his field. First point about this man. The field belongs to him. The field belongs to him. Now, next we see inside this man's mind He's got a vision in his mind here. He's got a vision of a beautiful field full of of being very fruitful. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's gonna make a lot of wheat. Beautiful. He's got this vision in there. It's gonna be fruitful. It's gonna come from his field. This man has plans for his field. That's the second point of the parable we see about this man. He's a man of vision. His vision is clear. He has plans for this field. It is going to yield lots of fruit. So with all this feeling of ownership of the field and all the excitement of a vision of the field being so fruitful, this man starts sowing his seed. But a tragedy happens. A tragedy happens to this man. It's a disaster. It's a catastrophe. It's a heartbreak in verse 25. No other way to describe it. While men slept, verse 25, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. His enemy came. Who said anything about enemy? But the good man has an enemy, we learn. The good man has an enemy. The good man has a very evil enemy. This very evil enemy wants to hurt this good man. This very evil enemy was studying what the good man was doing. This very evil enemy saw that the good wheat seed that this man was sowing And this very evil enemy saw the vision of this good man's field yielding good wheat. And this very evil enemy wanted to ruin it, wanted to destroy it. He wanted to ruin and destroy this good man's dreams and hopes and work. So this very evil enemy purposefully waits for everyone to be sleeping. And then in the quietness of the night, under the cover of of night, The darkest night, this very evil enemy sows weeds all over this good man's field. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.